Welcome to Inside Lightspeed, the podcast that takes you inside the one-stop commerce platform used by merchants around the world to simplify, scale, and provide exceptional customer experiences. We will make forward-looking statements on this podcast today that are subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. Certain material factors and assumptions were applied in respect of conclusions, forecasts, and projections contained in these statements. We undertake no obligation to update these statements except as required by law. You should carefully review these factors, assumptions, risks, and uncertainties in our filings with U.S. and Canadian securities regulators. Welcome, everyone. I'm Gus Papagiorgio, Head of Investor Relations, and joining me today is our new president, J.D. Saint-Martin. J.D., welcome. Thank you, Gus. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. So uh, for those of you who haven't met J.D., he is our president, just recently appointed. He is in charge of all our go-to-market motions and also has the general managers of both retail and hospitality report directly to J.D., So today we're going to just talk a little bit about his background. We're going to talk about his role as president, especially under our new organization structure, touch on the topic of our target customers and target locations, uh, which has been in a bunch of discussion with investors recently, and then hit on on the new flagship products that we've released and how that it's going to improve our go-to-market efficiency. And then also talk, obviously, about payments and some of our other financial services. So long list of topics for today. But I guess before we start, JD, maybe just a little bit of background on yourself. I know some investors have met you during our capital markets days, and I think we've done at least one conference together. But maybe yeah. you can give a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, for sure. So hello, everyone. Um, as I'm sure you can pick up from my funky accent, I'm, I'm French-Canadian, so based out of Montreal, uh, have joined Lightspeed almost four years ago now. We're getting close. My anniversary date is in May. It coincides with the acquisition of Chronogolf, which is a company I, I co-founded and led. And uh, a couple of months after the Canadian IPO of uh, Lightspeed, the, the first acquisition that the company did was uh, was Chronogolf. So that's how I joined uh, Lightspeed. And uh, yeah, it's been an amazing ride, an amazing journey. And now today in the capacity of, uh, of president uh, at Lightspeed. So then when you uh, when you joined Lightspeed, you joined under the role of VP sales. Is that correct? Well, some, some context. So when, when I joined, obviously the first step was integrating the business, right. uh, the, the golf business within Lightspeed. But it was already identified uh, at the time with JP that that would probably be a, a six-month uh, sort of project or endeavor. I, we can come back on, on why Lightspeed and so on. But after six months, the the goal was for me to take over our account management and customer success team. You know, as as you know, and as I've alluded to in previous conversations with our community, our land and expand model is a pretty strong one on the Lightspeed side. So our expansion team is quite significant. And so the goal was post acquisition after six months, I would take over the AM and CS team. Uh, so did that for about a year and then took over sales as a follow-up, as a next step. So had all of global sales and customer success for a bit. Uh, but yeah, the first role was really taking over account management and customer success. That was what was initially designed and had an absolute blast um, doing that. Uh, we've made amazing progress on the AM side and it's a really force to reckon with as far as our go-to-market motion is concerned. So that was my first role after rolling in the acquisition into, uh, into Lightspeed. And since you did bring up the topic, I mean, I'm sure you probably had some options in terms of selling Chronicle. Talk about why you chose Lightspeed and maybe your relationship with JP, because I know JP makes a point of you know recognizing the companies he wants to work with and forming relationships well before uh, anything is done. Yeah, for sure. 
So maybe a couple of uh, seconds on Chrono or Chronogolf. So, you know, we founded the company back in 2013, also in Montreal. So we were even back in the day, fairly familiar with the Lightspeed uh, story. We founded Chronogolf really to answer a need and solve a problem for golf course operators. For the audience uh, that don't know, golf courses are, you know, used to be, I, I feel until we, we arrived on the block are, are fairly archaic as far as how they've adopted technology. And so we felt like there was an opportunity to really improve, you know, that experience and really provide tools to golf course operators to really succeed. And so when we founded the business, we knew, you know, fairly early in the process that we would need a point of sale, you know, for these golf courses. And so instead of reinventing the wheel and essentially building our own POS, we felt like there were some interesting players in the space. And Chrono Golf was a way to unite the retail side and the hospitality side of the golf course operation by adding a layer that handles bookings, uh, member management, marketing, you know, the entire sort of suite of golf course flows and, and features that would be needed to supplement the retail POS and the uh, restaurant POS. And so long story short, when we founded the company and we started working on the product, we felt like, you know, building a POS on top of everything else would be quite a large task and endeavor. So instead we decided to partner and that's how we were introduced to Lightspeed. And we decided to build an integration to the Lightspeed Retail POS and um, a fast follow the Lightspeed Restaurant POS. And so that's how we started working with Lightspeed all the way back to 2014. So we did that and uh, we had tremendous success selling our solution bundled with the Retail POS and the Restaurant POS all the way to the point where even if we were very niche and very specific and focused on one vertical, we were going deep in that vertical we became the biggest reseller of Lightspeed technology. And that sort of cascaded into, you know, very close relationships with the leadership team here at Lightspeed, uh, you know, having common success together. Um, so met, uh, obviously, the partnership team first, but then over time met JP and built a very good relationship with JP over the years. And, um, you know, as it typically uh, sort of occurs for, for startups, as we grow, we had raised three rounds of financing. We were very frugal with our capital, very efficient. Um, you know, those were the days where, you know, every dollar really counted. You had to be very careful. And so- They still do, JD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they definitely do at Lightspeed. <laughs> but um, yeah, good point there. We were, you know, we were at a, at a stage at a sort of a crossroad where we're thinking about what's next for the company. And so that kickstarted conversations around, you know, what's next for the company and ultimately kickstarted conversations with Lightspeed. And for us, we felt like Lightspeed from that perspective was a total home run, was really taking all the boxes. Our customers were already accustomed to using Lightspeed products. Our staff was already accustomed to working with Lightspeed. So it was really a natural progression and it has been a phenomenal success. So when you came, I mean, you were very familiar with both the products and the management yeah. team. It wasn't like you were coming in uh, totally new. And so you came in, you took on the account management and customer success, then you eventually moved up to chief revenue officer. So as your role now as president, maybe talk about your responsibilities, especially under the new organization structure where both Peter and Anna, the heads of uh, hospitality and retail now fold into you. Maybe talk about, you know, what are your day-to-day -day responsibilities um, and, you know, what you're focused on as president of the company? Yeah, uh, I, li I like to joke that uh, I'm the uh, the president of the United Nations of Lightspeed. Um, <laughs> and as a fun fact, my, my parents were Canadian diplomats, uh, worked for foreign affairs for uh, over 30 years. So I feel like at times I go back to my roots. Um, and the reason why I'm saying that is... Um, 
So, you know, as CRO, I had, um, I was the functional leader, global functional leader of sales and customers at Lightspeed. And what we added now with this role as president is if you think of our organization, we we operate in a matrix where we have functional leaders. So sales and customers was already under my belt. We have regional leaders in EMEA and APAC. We have an MD of EMEA and an MD of APAC. So the MDs of these regions now report to me as well. And then we have industry leaders, GMs, as you pointed out, Gus, that are in charge of making sure, you know, we're going in the right direction in retail and hospitality and golf um, in B2B as well, uh, previously uh, known as New Order. They own the PNL of their industries. And so with this new role, the industry GMs also report to me. And the reasoning behind this new org structure and this new approach is we really want to drive more accountability, really break away any silos by having all of these teams ultimately rolling under one umbrella. It ensures that, you know, from a functional perspective, we are uh, structured in a very similar way. We learn from one another. Uh, we have a ultimately a customer experience, a customer journey that is aligned in all of the industries that we operate in. Ultimately, we want to, you know, we want to be on one website. Our customers see us as one brand, uh, Lightspeed. And so it's really important that we are all aligned as we continue to grow as an organization. And another reason is, you know, I, I think the investor community has heard us talk about our road to one flagship, which is an initiative that we're getting to the end of this fiscal year. And so now it's all about execution. And so we felt like bringing those teams under, under me would allow us to really double down now on the execution of basically providing the best customer experience we can with these new flagship products in retail, hospital, golf, and B2B. So that's kind of the, the basis behind those changes. And for me, it's... Um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed all the roles that I've had over the years at Lightspeed. And, and I feel like this one is, uh, is, an, is a great opportunity for us to take another step forward. And I think one of the biggest changes in the reorg is that now payments, the entire payments organization now is basically under the GMs and yourself, right? I know this is a big topic amongst investors and it's a huge initiative internally for the company. Under this new org structure and under your leadership, how do you, how do you view that this is going to help us you know, accelerate payments adoption amongst our customers? You know, if you think about our journey with payments, it is fairly similar actually to our one flagship product strategy. When we launched payments, we initially launched it on the retail side first in North America. And in the past years, our goal has been to deploy payments in all of the regions where we are present, in all of the industries where we're present. And there was a lot of work involved in coordinating that across the organization, not just in go-to-market, but you know, working with other functions in, in the company. And, and now that we've done that, now that we've reached that level where you know, our payments offering is fully integrated into our flagship products and is kind of like following that strategy of being offered across all of our regions, it now becomes all about execution. You know, our goal is that the software, the payments offering, the hardware ultimately is one bundle, is one platform that we offer our retailers, our restauranters, our golf courses. And so it makes sense at this stage in our journey that it's fully embedded within the targets of each of these industries and that our go-to-market team really presents that offering as one platform, one solution, instead of what, you know, leading up to now was a, a little bit more siloed, so to speak. So there was a very good reason as to why we were structured that way previously. I think it was the right call. And now is the time to, you know, now that we've reached those milestones, it's now all about execution and doubling down on selling payments within our industries. And I think it's it's fair to say that, you know, if you look back at the last three years, 
there was a lot of heavy lifting in getting payments, getting the actual product ready and up and running. I mean, we launched it, like you said, in U.S. retail initially. We we rolled out Europe in, I believe it was August of 21, and then Australia yep. in December of 21, around that time frame. And it only really has been in the last year where it's been globally available, and now it's heavily integrated into the new product offerings. And so now, I think it's fair to say that the heavy lifting of getting the product ready is done, and now it's really about going to market and really getting that penetration within our customers. 100%. I mean, it's a huge lift, right? And and when you think about it, if you think about Lightspeed, we've done that now globally, not just in one industry. We've done it globally on retail, on hospitality, like a card present, card not present, right? Exactly. E-commerce as well as on site. You know, when when we talk about all of the things we've we've done <laughs> in the past 18 months, you know, it's often presented on a deck and it looks simple, but you know, there's a lot of the lot of work, a lot of sweat right. in the background, um, you know, to take us to this moment. And while we've been doing that, we've been flying the plane at higher and higher altitude, right? So right. I'm very excited for things to come now that we're all ready to accelerate. Let's, I just want to talk here a little bit about our target customers, right? I remember you and I were at a restaurant, I think it was in New York City, and I was saying, you know, locations is very important. We need to, you know, drive locations. And you were like, I totally disagree. <laughs> so the, what, what matters is MRR and increasing the MRR. You know, you can grow locations like crazy, but if they churn, it's useless, right? So, you know, we've kind of gone out to the market and said, you know, we're really focused on these locations that are doing north of $500,000 a year in revenue. So let's talk about like, why, why is that important? Why, why is, is this target customer uh, so important to us? It's, it's funny because, you know, this concept of quality over quantity, if you think about what Lightspeed has always been known for, and I would argue if you, you know, if you speak to our competitors, what they fear the most when they would go head to head with us is that Lightspeed has always been known to be a much more sophisticated product that would handle the needs of customers that have more sophistication, that are more mature, that are bigger in nature, that have multiple locations. And Lightspeed has always been known for that. Lightspeed was known for that prior to the company going public and post IPO as well. Since then, we've you know, obviously we've done multiple acquisitions. And so, you know, at times I think people kind of forgot perhaps um, that this is what we're all about and this is what really makes us special. So it's nothing new. Um, we are just highlighting again what we really believe in, what we fundamentally are building for our customers that are more sophisticated. And as you said, a good way to mm-hmm. represent that is to look at the GTV. Of course, we, we're all about SMBs, but in the context of SMBs, what I like to say is we're much closer to the M than the S. And so these are customers that are doing north of 500K and GTV. You know, on the retail side, it means that these are customers that are managing thousands of SKUs. So of course, you know, that comes with its fair share of complexity from a feature set and workflow perspective, which our product really handles beautifully. You know, on the on the restaurant side, you know, these are customers that have multiple tables and a table service setup or a fine dining Mission Star restaurants. There are hotels with multiple revenue centers. There are drinking establishments, pubs, bars that also come with uh, a lot of complexity. So these are the products that we're building for, and these are the customers that we're building for. And these are and these are the customers that derive the most value from our software, right? Because I mean, if you're looking at a more simple retailer that is maybe just selling, you know, very basic to say t-shirts, I mean, 
there's just not the complexity of the inventory and the SKUs where you would derive the full value of our software suite. Exactly. And and so in the end, what ends up for these customers, they don't necessarily take all of our modules, right? So if you think of, you know, putting payments aside for a second, just from a software ARPU perspective, these customers that are doing north of 500K will opt for the breadth of our solutions, the depth of all our modules. And so the ARPU is higher, they find a lot more success with our solution. Right. The adoption of the product is significantly higher. And so that leads us to as you highlighted, the unit economics of these customers. So not only are they going to be taking on more on the software side, but now if you add payments on top of that, given that they have a higher GTV, payments for us is significantly more impactful from a revenue and profitability perspective. And because they find more success with our solution, they're also a lot less prone to churn. And that piece is actually a sort of two impactful items here. One, because they're more established, they have higher GTV, they're more stable as businesses, as a starting point. And so if you think of structural churn, which even if we do a phenomenal job is really hard to control for, well, that is less significant uh, in these cohorts of customers. And then beyond that, because they have more success with our tools, they also exhibit less churn, generally speaking, using our products. And so right. if you think about our unit economics, it's significantly magnified when we really focus on our ICP, our ideal customer profile. Right. And that's why I think often quality is better than, than right. quantity in that context. I just want to hit on two topics. So yeah, so if we look at our unit economics, which is basically LTV to CAC. So yep. one of the things that has really changed for us over the last three years is, you know, say three or four years ago, we were a software company selling software. And maybe a large customer would, you know, you know someone doing a million dollars a year might pay you, let's say, $150 uh, a, a month in software and a small customer might pay you $100 in software. Well, that's a decent enough gap, but you know the small customer is still paying you $100, so they're still worth pursuing, right? But now when we're layering in payments, you know, someone doing a million dollars a year and taking payments at 2.5% and someone doing $200,000 a year, well, the gap is just exacerbating, right? 100%. And so the LTV, when we layer on payments onto these higher GTV customers, is just so much greater, which has really kind of, I think, one of the catalysts for us to really focus on on this uh, higher GTV segment. Yeah. And not only is the LTV significantly higher, because now, as you said, you not only have software, but you also have payments margin coming through. And the higher GTV, the higher the the margin and, 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 and the ARPU. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, in the context of that LTV over CAC, if churn is also lower, right? That's you, you also see the impact there. So it's really yeah. a, a double whammy in that sense. And so you know, very simple math. Like if you go from a, an average churn rate of two percent a month to one percent a month, which you know would be common for the higher GTV customers, that LTV over CAC calculation literally doubles. And so right. it puts us in a position where the unit economics are better. But it also puts us in a position where we can start to invest a little more to go after those types of customers that we really, really care about. This is something I don't think we we discuss enough, but I, I, you know, the churn of these higher GTV customers, and they're not quite at enterprise levels, but they're a lot closer to enterprise churn than small business churn, right? And it really does help drive the economics because, I mean, the enemy in our kinds of business is churn. Right. Yes. And when you're losing, you know, a big chunk of your customers every year, you're chasing your tail just to stay flat. Uh, but as you attract these higher GTV customers, I mean, you have just a much more stable GTV, essentially, right? 
Yes. And these stable customers are prone to be great customers from an expansion perspective because they continue to find success with our tools. And, you know, I do think a lot of our conversations are around software and payments, but, you know, tomorrow it'll be capital, it'll be payroll, it'll be other initiatives that we have, obviously B2B with, you know, integrating the supplier into this equation. There's so much more, like we're still only scratching the surface in the context of more value we can provide to these customers. And these are the types of customers that, you know, these additional things will resonate uh, with. And so, you know, for all of those reasons, that's really what we're, uh, you know, what we care about and what we really focus on going forward. And we're really kind of structuring the entire go-to-market team, the entire go-to-market motion to continue to address that and focus on that. Just want to switch topic now to our flagship products, right? I think yeah. we've gone out and said, you know, by the end of our current fiscal year, which is March of 2023, we will be in market with two core products, Lightspeed Restaurant, Lightspeed Retail. First, let's talk like, how are we doing on that objective? I think we're pretty much on target, are we not? Yeah, we're doing super well. Extremely pleased to see the rollout and how these products are received by our customers. Again, the impact it's had on our unit economics. So on the retail front, Lightspeed Retail internally, codename X-Series, which we sell either as a standalone POS solution or in an Omni motion with E-Series, uh, formerly known as Equid, so X plus E, fully integrated, which you know really is a phenomenal product, the Omni product, the combination of those two. So we are effectively at the end of this month, we're in all regions except the, the Benelux. So we will have completed our goal as far as where we want it to be at this stage uh, with our new flagship product. And this means that from a net new perspective, we're selling our new Lightspeed retail offering across the board, which has a huge impact as far as how we organize the teams. And on the hospitality side, internally, uh, you know, Lightspeed Restaurants codename uh, K-Series. Again, we're now at a stage where the product is out everywhere, except funny enough here in Quebec, where I'm speaking from, uh, we are finalizing the fiscal integration. There's a sort of a fiscal integration that we have to do to comply to the local legislation. So that's in the works as we speak. So we'll get there in a couple of weeks from now. And then um, outside of that, we will have reached our goal of leading with K-Series by the end of this fiscal year, which is really exciting. I think this is kind of important because it's something you don't really see from the outside, right? So you had a slide up at the capital markets today where, you know, we've been over the past couple of years, you know, we've made a lot of acquisitions like Gastrofix and Counter and uh, Shopkeep and Upserve. And you know, we've been maintaining these products and still selling these products. And now as we go to two core products across the organization, around the world, let's start like if you go down the list, you know, what are the efficiencies and the increased productivity you expect to see as we go to these two core products? Because I don't think it's as obvious from the outside, but internally, I, I just, I feel like there's a lot of excitement of the fact that we're, you know, just so focused on these two products and it's just should really kind of unleash a higher productivity amongst our go-to-market teams. It's massive, right? And I mean, honestly, you could start even before we talk about how we structure the teams from a go-to-market perspective. First and foremost, if you think about innovation, you know, this puts us in a position where our R&D is focused on effectively one flagship product per industry. So, you know, the innovation that will come out of these products is close to none, like versus, you know, having to manage multiple products and having right. to sort of distribute your R&D efforts across multiple products. 
So that is huge. That's probably going to have the biggest impact across the board. You know, then as a result of that, you know, I think from an efficiency perspective, of course, being focused on one product per industry means on the OPEX side, again, we're a lot more efficient. On the COG side, if you think about, you know, hosting services for these products, again, we're a lot more efficient. So that's kind of in the background, what people don't necessarily see. There's a huge impact from a financials perspective. Now, if we think about our teams, until recently, I was still in a position where my teams were selling multiple products in a region. And so the entire customer journey really suffers in a scenario like that, whether if it's marketing, how we market these products, we effectively right. end up in situations where these products are in competition with one another, all the way through to how we manage the leads that are coming through, lead routing for SDR teams, you know, training our AE teams on multiple products, onboarding these customers. Again, there are different flows for different products, our support teams having to support multiple products. So it's really the entire customer journey that will significantly be, you know, winning as a result of moving in the direction and our conversion rates will improve. Again, our unit economics will continue to improve as a result of that. So extremely excited. It's been a huge, huge lift. It's uh there's a very, very good reason why we did that because right. it's, uh, it's a big lift. We wouldn't have done it if we didn't really believe in the huge impact this will have for us as yeah. a company going forward. And also just from a salesperson's perspective, I mean, let's say you're you know, in the hospitality and in, in the US market and you're, we were at one point selling Upserve and K-Series. I mean, you're juggling two products and it just, you know, if you're focused on one product, you just get to know it so much better and you're just more comfortable selling it and your productivity as a salesperson just ramps so much more if you're focused around that one product. Yeah, absolutely right, Gus. Actually, in Canada, until recently, we were selling two products. And in the US, we were selling three products. We had three internal products that were available for that market. Right. So uh, to your point, I, I think huge upside from here onwards. And so this means from a net new perspective, we're leading with one. Of course, this means as well that we're going to continue to cater to these existing customers that are on the on the legacy products. And we'll continue to support them, of course. Right. Uh, but then it'll also create opportunities for us over time to position the new product. And because the new product has a higher software ARPU, because the new product is better integrated with payments, is better integrated with our sort of generally speaking or financial services and continues to see more innovation, it's also an opportunity for us over time to move those customers over to the new flagship product and see upside as well from an economics perspective when they, but they move over. Right. Another topic that we want to touch on here is just our go-to-market strategy. Like up until, and I know that we've just been discussing feet on the street, and uh, that is something we're undertaking. But to make it clear, uh, for the most part, we're still very much an inbound organization. Correct? Yeah, big time. When I joined Lightspeed, it was a hundred percent inbound with some partnerships as well. We have a partner motion, whether it's on the on the reseller side or partners that send us leads. But as you said, it was all inside sales. So you know, when I joined about four years ago, there was no such thing as outbound. I I, I brought with me. I'm not necessarily going to say I'm the the only catalyst of this, but I, I expect I definitely played a part in that. Golf had a fifty fifty split between inbound and outbound. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we had a 50-50 split is because the unit economics for golf made a lot of sense on the right. outbound side. Much higher ARPU. Exactly. And so, okay. you know, if we tie it back to the conversation we had earlier of higher LTV, higher ARPU, higher GTV, well, now the economics of not just relying on inbound leads, but also going outbound, whether if it's outbound done from inside or 
out in the field because these are two motions that we can either supplement or, or do in parallel, but it, it just makes a ton of sense. And the beauty of going in a more outbound motion is that you're a lot more prescriptive, you're a lot more targeted, you can really focus right. the customers that are the right ICP for you. And so that's what we started beyond golf. You know, we moved to Noam Hospitality, our North American team on the hospitality side and saw amazing success doing that. You know, in the early stages, I actually f further exceeded all our expectations actually, as far as like what we we're anticipating on the hospitality side, which led us to now roll out this initiative across hospitality globally. So in EMEA and in APAC. So if you look at last month, about 10% of our, our new MR globally is coming from our all industries or is coming from our outbound motion. But I, th I think they represent less than 10% of our salespeople though, right? Probably. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Still a small part of our overall headcount. Right. But our ambition is for that number to be much higher, of course. And so now we're going to ramp up those initiatives in hospitality in Europe and in APAC now that we're starting to see some really good results there. And we're also starting to uh, take a similar approach on the retail front. Uh, you know, what we're really known for in retail is we go deep into specific verticals, right? Obviously right. bike, but, you know, pet stores, electronics, apparel, vape, you know, and so on. And so we're, again, this is a great opportunity for us from an outbound perspective to be very, very targeted. And with Caddy, our new CMO who joined us, supplement our outbound motion with account-based marketing. Right so that we can be hyper-focused on these verticals and really hyper-focused on their higher GTV, multi-location groups that are a good fit for Lightspeed. Now, I know <laughs> investors are going to question, okay, that's great, but how is it a lot more expensive to, to have an outbound sales team? Again, it goes back to what we said earlier. What we really, really care about is DLTV over CAC. And right. because you're able to focus on higher GTV, higher LTV customers, the unit economic is actually so far better at this stage doing with our outbound motion than our inbound motion. Now, of course, as you grow and as this, you know, gets to scale, that also evolves. But right now our payback and our LTV over CAC on outbound is actually better than our inbound motion. So to answer your question from an investor's lens, it's the right decision. It's a good move for us. Switching uh, over to financial services, I mean, I think the one, <laughs> you know, you're responsible for the go-to-market teams. I mean, the one thing I think on an investor's mind is, okay, how do we sell payments to our base? I think we've done a great job on new locations and new customers, a very high attach rate on payments with new customers. But, you know, the big opportunity really is with our base, right? So, you know, what is a strategy for going out there and upselling our base and getting that base onto payments, which is, you know, a huge opportunity for, for this company? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel we've done a good job so far. From a new business perspective, we're tracking our attach rates very closely. And, you know, we're getting close now to believe that our, our attach rate is getting closer and closer to the ceiling. And so now a lot of the focus is going to be on the back book. And there, you know, in the background, there's been a lot of initiatives on the PNT side, as well as in our operations team, IS, and underwriting to ensure that we really improve the experience for our customers that are boarding on payments. And that's the application flow. It's making sure that within the product, they can discover the offering, they can sort of self-serve through the application process. If you think about the focus up until now has been on the payments product on its own. Now we've shifted gear to making sure everything around the product 
is significantly improved. And that is the experience of applying for it, of onboarding it, of setting it up. And that is going to allow us to really accelerate on the backbook side. And ultimately, what we've also spent a lot of time on is when I say around the product, it's, you know, yes, there's the payments product, but the combination of going with the payments product and the software, getting a lot more value and a lot more functionality on the software side as well, as a result of using payments. And I think some examples that we've shared in the past is our insights product. You know, if you use payments, you get a lot more in-depth reporting on the analytics side, on the insight side, on the reporting side. So these are examples of things that are going now above and beyond just the product of payments on its own that will allow us to really increase the penetration of the back book. And that's going to be the story for us next year. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming that uh, we're excited to share with the wider public and the community that's following us. Also too is, you know, if we're looking at new customers or new locations, uh, these are people that have already decided that they're willing to make a change, right? They're either looking for a new POS or they're opening up a new location or a new concept. And so they're open to new ideas. But when you're, you know, you're, we're, again, we're, more, we're closer to the M than the S, but these are still small business people. They are very busy. And so, you know, improving their payments provider is probably something they'd like to do, but it might be number 12 on their list of, of things to do. I think what we're trying to do is make that easier for them, right? So I think we're trying to send people out into the field to make that physical switch for them. Yeah, you're, you're exactly. You know, you, you said it very well. The reality is if you're an existing customer of Lightspeed and you're not using our Lightspeed payments offering, it means you are using something else versus if you're a new business, you're starting a new venture, you need to equip yourselves from head to toe. So what we've observed is first and foremost, it needs to be significantly better than what you have. And now we are there. So right. the next step is, you know, making sure that it's as smooth as possible, because as you said, for our SMBs, even if it is just a payment terminal at times sitting on the counter, it is what is driving 90% of their revenue and what ends up in their pocket or in their bank account at the end of the day. So there is always some nervousness, so to speak, of unplugging that thing and plugging something right. new. <laughs> and that's why, as you described, you know, we're now going to make that process frictionless. Like It'll be extremely smooth for those customers to move over all the way to, in many cases, you know, having the opportunity to have someone on site you know, via partners or with our own teams, depending on the location that ensures that uh, that transition is is as smooth as possible so that for the owner and operator, they don't have to think about it. It's right. uh, it's really frictionless. And I think it's fair to say that going into our next fiscal year, I mean, we are really going to double down on this. I mean, this is probably your, <laughs> I would imagine your number one priority. That's absolutely right. Most of my meetings recently are all about that. So uh, yes, it is from a go-to-market strategy perspective, it's way up there, probably number one, and let's say in the top three list of things that we want to achieve next year. And then the, in uh, conjunction with payments, the other financial service offering that we've been talking about is capital. You know, I love this topic. I love this yeah. business. Uh, <laughs> so maybe talk a little bit about you know why it's so important. And you know, we've been experimenting with it for two years here, and I think we're finally in a point now where. It seems to me that you and your organization and the rest of the organization, that we're in a position where we're really going to start to see this business take off. Yeah. You know, like everything at Lightspeed, we start by making sure the product market fit is right. And I think that's what we accomplished this year. So, you know, it's interesting, actually. Why is this so important? Interestingly, you can almost bring it back 
to the churn conversation we had before, we actually see a huge correlation in a positive way on reducing churn if our customers are using our software solution, our payment solution, and our capital solution. So, you know, the more we offer to our customers, the lower the churn becomes. So that's going to continue to be a narrative at Lightspeed and hence why we need to land the right type of customer that can absorb more services from us. But, you know, we've seen amazing customer stories with customers that are, are using our capital offering to expand their operations, to open new locations, to widen their inventory, and they're having amazing success. And they're finding the experience so much better than the alternative options they have out there because it's all powered through their point of sale. It's all powered through their payment solution. And in order to get our capital offering, you have to use our payments offering. So again, it's a catalyst to provide more value with payments. So we were very excited about that. So far, the way we've launched this offering had been in a very basic uh, way in that we were essentially emailing just a very small subset cohort of our customers to inform them of our capital offering and that they've been pre-approved and things like that. Now, a lot of the work that's been uh, done this year and that we've invested in is making it self-serve. So similar to what I shared earlier with payments, uh, our customers are going to be able to basically discover capital offering within the product. That's going to have a huge impact. It's going to have a huge lift. And we're doing that across all our products, whether if it's the net new flagship products as well as our legacy products. So that's that's amazing. That's kind of a big impact. The other thing that's super exciting is we've similar story again and again and again. We did a test within an actual team that is promoting our capital products. So it's a team of 12 capital specialists today based out of North America that are reaching out to our customers where we think there's a good fit. And we're effectively sort of sharing the value of using capital and promoting the product. We've had amazing, amazing success doing that. Again, much better than we had anticipated. And so now we're in a great position. We now have all the foundation in place to start to talk about, okay, how do we 3X this? How do we 10X this? How do we keep adding more? How do we continue to roll this out? So we just launched in the UK. Uh, how do we go global with the product? You know, these are these are the next steps that uh, will allow capital to become as important uh, over time as as payments or software or other offerings that we you know that we we consider launching in the future. Before I let you go, I know we've discussed our B two B effort, uh, which is basically based on the new order platform. I think we are seeing some good progress there, at least from a product development perspective. Uh, maybe you can just give us a little bit of a highlight as to where we stand there and what we what people can expect the hopefully not too distant future. Yeah. I mean, probably of everything uh, we've discussed, that's probably the one thing I'm most excited about. So I know there's a lot of interest for this. So on, uh, you know, very proud of Keith and Liv and the team at New Order that has been working on this. It's a huge effort, a huge initiative, and we think that is going to be a game changer for us in the future. So, so far what we've done is we've launched our B2B offering, our integration between New Order and Lightspeed Retail with a small cohort of customers. And the NPS is phenomenal, which confirms what we've all known all along, but nothing beats hearing it from the customer's right. mouth, which is it really unlocks a ton of value for them. If you think about what our customers that are not using this integration are doing today, they're having to go to their ordering yeah. platform to order from their brands. Then they receive their stock in, you know, at their facility. Then they have to rekey in everything from the ground up. It's, it's an absolute pain. So we're shaving off so many hours of work and we're saving them so much time and we're reducing the manual errors and so on. So it's an absolute no-brainer. So, you know, 
now that we've seen the impact of this beta project, we are now going to release this integration on our Lightspeed retail offering on bike and apparel in Q1. So sort of coming up in the next few weeks. And we're really excited about that. Obviously, you know, that's going to have a huge impact as far as the customer that will be using it. But what's also really exciting is, you know, New Order today has hundreds of thousands of retailers that are using the platform to order from brands. You know, the prime customer of New Order are brands that, you know, they use the New Order product for their virtual showrooms, that you use the New Order product to allow their customers, retailers to order from them. But these retailers today are effectively quote-unquote free retailers that are using the New Order product to order from the brands that pay for the New Order solution. And very few of those would be Lightspeed customers currently, right? That's right. You know, there are some overlaps, but not a significant number. It's in, in a low percentage point. And so now there's an incredible opportunity for us as they're ordering from these brands to say, hey, you know, wouldn't you want that order to flow right into your point of sale? And so- And why wouldn't you? Exactly, exactly. You know, they're not new businesses. They're already placing orders in high magnitude and they're using other point of sale system, legacy, uh, all the way to pen and paper, but they're established businesses that would be a tremendous fit for Lightspeed. And these are are customers that are already in one of our, the 12 verticals that we're focused. That's right. That's right. I mean, the the focus of New Order over the years has mainly been apparel and outdoor, which we excel at. Yeah. So that's, you know, a huge opportunity for us as far as, you know, a lead gen engine for the overall Lightspeed group. And so that's sort of the next phase as we unlock bike and apparel right. is to start to really message that out to that base of retailers. And I think, you know, we're a little bit of ways from monetizing uh, our B2B network, but it's fair to say that in the kind of near term is we should see this improve our close rates. Um, and probably lower our CAC, right? Those will be kind of the initial financial impacts from this network. 100%. I mean, there's basically, for me, short, short term, there are two impactful changes for us. One is, as we just discussed now, the retailers that are using New Order today would become effectively great leads and prospects right. to the, the point of sale and the Omni and e-commerce solution that we have on the Lightspeed retail side. And then the other is any retailer that comes to us that are not using New Order today or and that are not using Lightspeed as a whole today to inform them that with Lightspeed, you're now able to use these platforms in conjunction and they're connected and they allow them to really streamline their operations, that is going to have a huge impact as well on, on close rates, as you said. Very exciting initiative for this company. Obviously, monetization is still a little bit of ways off, but uh, I think fair to say everyone's very excited about the opportunity here. Very much so. And then, as you said, from there onwards, there's a ton more applications and more monetization options that we have on the table. Great. Okay, JD, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, I want to thank you for your time and for joining us today. And for our investors, I think we are going to try to have JD out more often. Uh, once he, he's a pretty busy guy and JP has him, has him doing a lot of stuff, but hopefully we'll have an opportunity to get you out to conferences uh, more often. So again, thanks again for joining us today, JD, and good luck with your new role. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me and thank you to the audience for, for listening. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to Inside Lightspeed. For more information about Lightspeed's integrated payment offering, visit lightspeedhq.com. If you aren't already, be sure to follow Lightspeed on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is lightspeedhq. Original music for the episode was composed by Timothy LeClaire. The episode was edited by Jonathan Beaton and produced by Lightspeed. See you next time.